great future. We're talking real money. I waited until the day was over practically before starting this podcast because I wanted to kind of review what's been going on in the market because I don't do it very often. Hi, I'm Don. Welcome to the Talking Real Money daily podcast for Friday, the 8th of May, 2020. Usually I don't date them because I don't want them to be too dated anyway. Most of the stuff is evergreen as they say in the industry, but I'm going to date it a bit today because I want to talk about the stock market, particularly the U.S. stock market, because it's interesting. It's been very, very interesting to watch. About, oh, let me just see, when was that? I want to get the exact date here. Let's go back here. Um, Right around the 19th of February. The Standard & Poor's 500, which is the 500 largest companies by market capitalization in the United States, topped out at around, it was getting close to 3,400, 3,386. And in the weeks that followed, the plunge began, the coronavirus plunge that scared the living daylights out of everybody. I mean, it was, I, I was even a little frightened, and, and I'm usually really good with this stuff. Of, of course, I wasn't tempted to sell. And about a month later, on three, was it, yeah, March 23rd, the S&P 500 was off almost 31%. That's 50% more than a bear market, which is a 20% decline. Now, at that point... The calls were coming in fast and furious. The notes were coming in fast and furious. The people I knew were asking quickly and furiously, what should I do now? Should I sell and wait until it goes back up? And I said, I don't know when it's going to go back up. It'll go back up someday, I'm pretty sure, unless the world ends, but I don't know when. So what are you going to do? You're going to sell now? How are you going to know when to get back in? Well, it turns out, you missed the bell. March 23rd, 2020 was the moment the bell rang and you should have gotten back in the market. Oh, 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 you didn't, you didn't hear it. Really? I didn't either. From then on, with an occasional little bit of a dip, the Standard & Poor's 500 crept, not just crept, sometimes rushed, higher, and higher until on the 14th of April, it was only down 12%. Then, by the 24th of April, it was still only down 12%. People thought, well, it's going to go back down for sure, isn't it? Well, by the end of April, it was only down 10% from the year end or from the beginning of the year right now from where it started on january 1st 2020 the standard and poor's 500 is down nine percent now in anybody's book that's a correction that's a understandable relatively comfortable decline so what should you have done well actually if you were brilliant what you should have done was in the third week of February, you should have sold. Somewhere around there. Second to third week. 
if you were really brilliant, because you were up about 4% for the year, 5% for the year. Then if you were really, really, really brilliant, somewhere between the 19th and the 23rd or so of March, you should have sold. And then on the 20, well, actually, let's say the the 20th, because on the 23rd, on the 23rd or the 24th of March, you should have poured everything you had back into the stock market. Because from that point, stocks gained about 15% in just over a month. Now, you didn't do those things, nor should you be expected to do those things. That would just be silly. And, and you couldn't possibly pull it off. But the, the thinking is, there must be a way to do that. If I could do that, I would be rich. Well, there isn't. As a matter of fact, on tomorrow's live show on Como KOMO Radio in Seattle, which you can listen to online live if you want, uh, I'm, we're going to be sharing with you some numbers on a timing system and how it would have worked in the past if you had tried to get out of stocks when they seemed overvalued and tried to buy them when they seemed undervalued. You just did that. When they're overvalued, you sell them. When they're undervalued, you buy them. A couple of different scenarios. You're going to be fascinated to hear it. And we'll have that, of course, as a podcast next week if you don't listen to the show. So you'll be able to hear it next week. But I just wanted to tease you with that and reinforce the thinking that Markets can't be timed. The only way they can be timed is if you know the future. Do you? Didn't think so. And now, let's get to a couple of the questions that are pending from TalkingRealMoney.com, the contact form. We haven't had any calls to the hotline in ages, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. You can call in questions there. We'd love to hear them. We'll use them on the on the podcast. But we've got a couple here, so let's take these. You can, you can send your questions in at uh, TalkingRealMoney.com. Hit the contact form, and they'll come right to me. This one sports the subject line Gabelli slash T-Row. Hi, Don. I was one of your charter subscribers back in 1991. He means to my newsletter, the Don McDonald Money Letter. LOL. I saved just about every newsletter and kept the green binder that you sent us. I remember the green binder. I found you on the radio back then, and the rest is history. Now, before I get to the rest of his question, I want to preface this with back in the day, many, many years ago, I was a stockbroker for a while, then I was on the radio for a long time, and this was back in the day when pretty much everybody except John Bogle believed that active management could add value. This is the days of Peter Lynch and Fidelity Magellan Fund and Janus and all of these things that were doing really well, and and I bought into it like everybody else. I learned the error of my ways later when I discovered that fees really do matter and that there are better ways to manage money passively. But I suggested funds that were not everything I suggested was no load, but most were actively managed and uh, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. So let me go on to the rest of his comment and questions. Now I'm back. Ready? Don't beat me up too much, but I still own Janus, Janus Global and Venture. I also opened the Gabelli Asset Fund before I found you back then and still hold it today. Due to the 1.35% expense ratio, 
I think it's time to say so long to the fund. I opened a T. Rowe Price account back then and would like to move the money from Gabelli to T. Rowe Price. What's the best way to do that without taking possession of the money? And also, do you like any T. Rowe Price funds as much as the Vanguard Total World and Total Bond? I think it's what I'd like to do, divided into the two funds. Well, I think you have the right idea, just the wrong fund family. And, um, I mean, Gabelli's very expensive, very expensive. And that's one of the problems still with T. Rowe Price is that they're too expensive, too. Really, these days. Yeah, they have some index funds. They have like a total market index, but it's not really a total market index. It's an emulator. I mean, the total market, the total U.S. market is eight, 9,000 stocks, and this one only has 1,700 in it. And whereas the Vanguard Total World has an expense ratio of about 10 basis points, 0.1%, the T. Rowe Price Fund has an expense ratio of 0.3% or three times higher. I mean, it's not expensive, but it's three times higher. Therefore, I would suggest that you move that Cabelli stuff. It's just as easy to open an account at Vanguard. And all you have to do is give them the information off of your account statements or send them copies of your account statements, and they'll do a direct transfer in. You never take possession of the money. You do a direct transfer, and you don't have to touch it. It's really incredibly easy. That's what I do. Then you can divide it properly and get those two funds that the average expense ratio is going to be under one-tenth of one percent. And if you own the bond fund and the total world stock fund, well, how many securities do you own? Oh, my gosh, almost 20,000. 20,000. Now, I think that's diversification. Send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com and just use the contact form. But you can also call us 24-7 at 855-935-STALK. I almost said stock again. Why do we keep wanting to say that? 855-935-TALK. That also works during the show we do live on Saturdays that we do from 3 until 5 Eastern or noon to 2 Pacific. You can call that number and ask your questions live of us on the show, which is always fun because we get to talk. We don't like communicate. One more question before we call it a week. Topic, emergency funds. I have an emergency fund of about $50,000 just sitting in my bank account, earning little or no interest. Where would you suggest I move it to earn a little interest and still be liquid and accessible when needed? You know, I just did a podcast on this, one of the, the weekday podcasts. Um, I don't know which one it was, but it wasn't long ago. But it's a good question, so I thought I'd answer it again because a lot of people have it and are looking for, uh, for a better place to make money. And you have to leave town. <laughs> I mean, you have to leave town. Uh, local banks just aren't going to be competitive because they've got you. They've got you. They got you. Know, you got your checking account with them, and and so they can get away with paying way less than one percent. And I often mean way less than one percent on their savings accounts. But other banks are more competitive, particularly, particularly those that lend directly to people, credit card banks, and the like. So um, there are some really great rates 
on savings accounts from some of these banks. There's one that is a direct customer lender called Comenity, and they have a bank called Comenity Direct. They are still a member of the FDIC. They have, get this, zero minimum, zero minimum, and they pay 1.7%. Harris Bank, I think they're out of Chicago. Um, I don't know that you can get it online. I know with uh, Comenity you can, but uh, they're paying 1.65. HSBC, which is another credit card issuer, they're paying one6 Vio Bank, which I've never heard of, is paying about 1.6%. CIT, another direct lender, is paying 1.55. Capital One, one and a half. Barclays, one and a half. Ally Bank, one and a half. American Express Bank, one and a half. So there are decent emergency money rates out there. And with most of these accounts, it is a simple matter to attach your checking account to them and do practically instantaneous transfers in case of emergency. And as they are savings accounts, there's no penalty for withdrawing early. And these are the kind of, you can't get these kind of rates on treasure, short-term treasuries. So they're FDIC insured. I'd certainly consider it. Thanks for the question. I hope that helped. And if you have a question, send them in, talkingrealmoney.com slash contact, or just hit the contact button. And also, there is other help offered to you at TalkingRealMoney.com. Listen to all the podcasts. You can get a bunch of information. You can watch videos. You can set up an appointment to meet with one of our advisors, our 100% fiduciary no-sales pitch advisors. They don't pitch at all. You don't get a high-pressure sales pitch because we don't need to. Or you can just become a client if you really want to, which we love to have happen because we're pretty good at what we do. Okay, we're very good at what we do. And we treat people honestly. And our fees are among the lowest for full-service advisors. So check us out. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com, or you can also go to our main company website, Vestory.com. Uh, also check out RealInvestingJournal.com, because I've got some new articles coming out that are going to be really good. And keep listening. Keep telling friends, keep spreading the word, keep having uh, as good a life as you can, keep staying safe and healthy, and I can't wait till everything gets back to normal either, but I work from home, so what the heck. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.